Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I chat with Babette Dungelgren. The Peaceful Power Podcast is here to help you live a movement-based lifestyle, utilizing fitness, yoga, and Ayurvedic techniques. Each week, I will bring you a motivational guest or a solo show geared to help you take action to live that peaceful, powerful life. So Babette and I um, actually met via Instagram. Um, and, or maybe email, but she had messaged me and, uh, she's a listener of the show and she also has her own, um, non-dieting health coach business, which I absolutely loved. So after I checked out her work, I thought she would be a perfect fit for the show. And, um, she totally is like we dive into body positivity, um, intuitive eating, what non-diet health coaches, you know, recommend and even do because sometimes we might think, okay, what does non-diet mean? Like what, what is the other way? And just kind of showing you guys what other options are out there in case you might, you might want a different look at your health and in a different lens um, and ways that we can do that. And maybe bust through some stories that we've been telling ourselves and how to break through stuff that we've maybe learned at such a young age. So we chat about all of that on today's show. Um, it's a nice and it's a juicy one. So Without further ado, here is today's episode. Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. Today, I am here with Babette Dunkelgren. And uh, yay, I think I said it right, did I? Mm-hmm. You got it. Yay! That, I was just practicing right before we came on. Um, so I am excited because I have Babette here with me. And, um, you know, I she reached out to me earlier this summer to be on. And I checked out, you know, what she's up to in the world. And I was really intrigued. So I kind of want to throw it over to you, Babette, and um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks so much. Yeah, I was happy to connect as well. You know, I had seen your podcast and your outreach and the way you combine fitness and Ayurveda and being a mom and all that good stuff. And I just love seeing what's out there. I think there's so much these days in terms of, you know, holistic health and understanding that health is more than just one thing, right? So for me, I typically work with women as a health coach. Uh, I've taught yoga and Pilates as well. I've combined that. And You know, what I really work on is a relationship with food, relationship with movement and the body, and just trying to find a bit more peace with that, right? Peace and joy and power, that empowerment to make choices and um, a lot of different resources where you can learn not just like what's on your plate, but really how can you have food play a role in your life that you're comfortable with, right? Mm, yes, I love that. And I, um, when I was looking at your website, I saw you've studied with so many different pioneers in the health field. Um, you know, can you tell us a little bit about that? I know one of them, Deepak Chopra and uh, Mark Hyman, I am familiar with their work. Uh, what were kind of some of the greatest lessons that you've learned from maybe your mentors through the years? Oh, I like that. Yeah, you know, um, I would say I've always been in that sort of, you know, health space. I was always following um, anything I can get my hands on, right? Whether it's Chopra or Oprah or Paulo Coelho, you know, I love all the spirituality stuff and the Brene Brown and, you know, there's just a ton out there. Um, I think in terms of my formal education, right, it, it all was under the umbrella of Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can learn a lot about nutrition. There was some Ayurveda in there as well. Um, but, you know, I think we actually like emphasize the physical a lot in our culture, right? We're used to thinking of protein and carbs and water and, you know, this is all great. Um, But I think at the end of the day, it's really more than just the physical, right? It's physical, mental, emotional, you know, all these things are sort of health. Um, So that's one piece um, that I've had to learn and continue to learn about. 
and then also the yoga as well, right? I think yoga is a bit less, you know, Western historically uh, in its approach to things like well-being and, you know, feeling your best and really acknowledges that idea that we're more than just a physical body. So those are some really big lessons and some of them sound super simple, right? Where you're like, you know, breathe, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's some of the most helpful stuff I found for me and, and my clients as well. Yeah. I, I mean, that I have a sweatshirt that says just breathe and it's, it's something that we like, we don't always think about, but we're doing it. And then sometimes, you know, it's those tough, stressful moments where we might find that we stop doing it, you know, and just kind of coming back to the breath because we just get so agitated. And, you know, I always, you know, remind clients if they're lifting really heavy weights and I'm like, just remember to breathe. Because sometimes we just, when things get tough, we tend to hold our breath and just grasp everything in. Yes. Yes. And some, one thing that I love about, you know, exercise and food both really is that you can actually start from that connecting to your physical body and it can teach you a lot. You're like, Oh, I'm holding my breath. Oh, I guess I have been kind of stressed at work or, you know, it teaches you to be more aware of yourself, you know? Yes. Oh, totally. And that's, um, I mean, just paying attention to that if you're like starting to like, <gasps> and breathe like really fast and, you know, just that anxious feeling coming over you and just kind of being like, okay, wait, where's this coming from? You know, if all of a sudden it just comes out of nowhere and then maybe you have to think about, okay, what was I just thinking about? Or, you know, did I see something that just, you know, agitated me? And maybe, um, I like how you said earlier, the emotional body, it can be something that we've maybe buried and it's in the unconscious that that all of a sudden it's rearing its head up again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like you had someone on recently, you're talking about why my diet doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And yes. In your podcast, you got, you both touched on that a lot. You're saying, you know, just being mindful, just pausing, just being aware, like that can be so helpful. Just pay attention, you know? Yes. Oh, I mean the awareness. And I think that it's something that, I don't think we're taught. I mean, I don't remember ever being taught this in school and I don't think I was really ever conscious about it until, you know, I started maybe meditating, I guess was probably the first time I really connected to that and, you know, learning how to slow down and listen to my emotions. And again, I don't think we're really taught a lot about that in school. Um, oh, there was a recent kids movie and I don't know if you saw it. Uh, with all the emotions. Do you know what movie I'm talking about? Um, I know the one. I forget what it's called. I know. I'm like, it's probably like this, it's probably called something like super basic and I just cannot think of it. But I watched that and I'm like, um, wow, this is amazing for kids to see. Now, I don't think like my son is still little, you know, but older, you know, even five-year-olds can maybe start to be like, oh, these are emotions and just kind of understanding what, what our emotions are and how they are in our body. And you know, that's something that I'm striving to teach my son is just to, you know, stay calm and just be like, are you angry right now? And try to just kind of give him like the lingo to understand what's going on in his body. And, you know, then he'll kind of next time be like, I'm frustrated or I'm mad and just kind of start to see, okay. And then I'm, then we try to figure out well, why. And I think that's something that more of us should probably teach or even be taught in schools how to handle our emotions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting, that idea of parenting, right? Because it sounds so intuitive as a parent. And then you're like, when, when can I actually ask myself during the day, like, hey, what do I need right now? You know? Yes. Do it for yourself, I feel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, it's, if we don't make time for ourselves, you know, at some point in our day, like, that's where the whole day goes by. And you're like, what, 
just happened. <laughs> you know, it's five o'clock and I don't remember eating or, you know, I haven't done anything for myself since I've gotten up. And, you know, we all have those days, but if they happen more than, you know, five, six days a week, then we might need to start looking at what is our routine and what needs to change in our lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that, um, you know, you had said in your um, bio and your description is that you're a non-diet health coach. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, what that means and what a non-diet health coach is? For sure. So essentially it started, I read this book, Intuitive Eating. Uh, maybe all the listeners might not have know, know about it. There are about 10 principles and then it sort of goes beyond that. And, you know, in these guidelines I'd read, you know, reject the diet mentality. That was sort of the first starting point, let's say. And, you know, you learn that all this dieting that you do, I, from, I know from experience, right, whether it was South Beach or it was Atkins or it was Weight Watchers, you know, you come to these diets and, you know, you start, you're in a good place, you know, you're pumped and then you end and then you're maybe not in a good place and then you start another one and you think this will be the one and it becomes a cycle. And so now as a coach, a ton of people come up to me and they're like, okay, you know, give me the answer. Tell me what to do, you know, mm-hmm. breakfast, lunch, dinner, and I'll do it. You're like, well, if I do that, then I'm offering you the thing that has been the issue, right? You think yeah. we're the problem. You're not the problem. These diets, you know, they aren't real solutions. And so, you know, that's pretty scary. You think to yourself, okay, well, what if not a diet, then what, right? But what you're essentially doing is you're saying, okay, all this time, I've tried something temporary, then I've gone back to my long-term lifestyle, and that hasn't really been working for me. So instead of starting with the quick fix kind of thing that's going to lead to more cycling and more stress, you know, why don't we start from the long-term thing, right? What are you doing now? What can we change? What can we learn about? Um, So it's really not a diet. Um, And I just think that diets, typically they don't work um, and they haven't worked for me. I don't really see them work a lot of the time for most people. Um, So I think that's a really important place to start. And then when it gets to be scary, you know, when you're kind of like, okay, well, that's the only tool I know, you know, then th- things come. Movement, um, you know, there are a lot of resources out there, luckily these days, more and more that are really owning up to, okay, well, this hasn't worked. So what can we do? Yes. Um, I mean, and I totally agree with the diets and just kind of like the constant diet mentality. And one thing I love that you said, if not a diet, then what? Because I think that's the point that most of us are at is we're on a diet because maybe that's all we've ever known. And if we're not on one, like you don't know what to do. Like we have no idea what to eat or, you know, what even would taste good to us anymore because we've constantly are looking for, you know, to follow Weight Watchers or to follow Atkins or, you know, just give us a list. Just tell me what I should eat. Cause that's, I've been told that by so many people, just tell me what I should eat. And I'm like, but I can't, like, you have to learn how to do this for yourself. And that's the point that we just don't trust ourselves. Yes. Oh, that's so true. There's, there's, you know, there's a ton to learn about body trust, but this stuff is so countercultural that it's almost like a revolutionary thing, right? You know, as well in this field. Um, I think that's what's kept diet culture so big, you know, economically and culturally, because that's what we're taught. We're taught like, well, if I'm left alone, I'm just going to eat cookies all day. Mm-hmm. You know, the research shows that's actually not the case. Um, and it's scary in the beginning, but in the long run, it's so rewarding to be able to sit down and say, oh, I know how to feed myself, right? I have this skill set. 
Yeah. And I think a lot of it too, is the marketing. I mean, the marketing behind it is like, you know, tell us, you know, what is the problem? Like, and that's kind of what a lot of marketing goes into. So if, you know, if maybe you're listening and you're stuck in that diet mentality, just kind of start, you know, put on a marketing lens. And when you watch these ads, just kind of see, okay, from a marketing standpoint of them trying to sell me this, you know, what are they doing? And then if you kind of look at all of the different dieting, you know, ads and whether they be in a magazine or a TV commercial, you know, they all are similar, you know, they're presenting you with like this problem. And then obviously they have the solution and that is going to be the magic pill, the magic um, diet, whatever that's going to get you there. And I think that's just been the, it's just been a cycle for, I mean, probably since the early 1980s would be my guess, maybe before. Oh, for you know? sure. It's so problematic. You know, if you look at most people I speak with, and I can relate to this, you know, we, we go, go back to we were maybe 13, 14, and this is how we are just influenced, right? It's not just the TV or the magazine, it's everything. It's like, how do I bond with girlfriends? Like, ooh, mm. you know, my diet is the grapefruit diet, and my diet is just 200 calories, you know what I mean? Like, it's yes. just like on and on, and it's, it's crazy when you start to really look for, okay, where is this culture influencing me? And can I find a different truth? You know, can I find an alternative path? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, definitely I, that was something I came in a realization with when I had, was on an interview yesterday, um, on the podcast of like where, um, my ideal weight came from. And I realized it was from, um, like my mom's telling me how much she weighed when she was in high school. And so for whatever reason, that was the weight that got stuck in my head. And that was always my goal weight and had been for so many years when in actuality, I was like 15 pounds heavier than that when I was in high school. And yet that was still my ideal weight, but really like not at all ideal for me. And that was at a young age when I learned that. And it was something like my mom wasn't saying that to be like, Ooh, you should be that. Like I just asked her a question and she just answered like, Hey, this is what I weighed. And, um, I'm like, wow, like it's stuff like that. Those little moments that can stick with us that we don't even realize. Oh, for sure. Just like unlearning stuff that has been there forever and probably from her mom and the mom before that. And, yes. and I think, you know, still today we're told, wait, you know, first and foremost, wait, this number. And you're thinking, okay, well, you know, what if my weight is, you know, when I'm eating the healthiest I can eat and my mind is healthy and I'm not obsessing, you know, and I'm not starving myself and I'm not binging every day, you know, maybe this is my healthy weight, right? Just interpreting it more broadly. Yeah. And, um, I know you talk about intuitive eating, you know, if someone's kind of new to that concept, you know, what is intuitive eating and how did that kind of help you transform your life? Yeah. Intuitive eating, I think is one of mm, the most helpful resources I found that's in line with this idea of health at every size and the non-diet approach. Um, you know, really it comes from that idea of babies being really intuitive, right? You're a mom, so you might know better than I do, but you know, kids will tell you really clearly before they can speak, right? I'm hungry. I'm not, you know, this, not that. And this is what my body likes and doesn't like. And so, you know, we kind of lose that with all the noise over time. And so it's interesting when you look at intuitive eating, I mentioned the guidelines, you know, you start with, you know, how can you remove all this diet culture? How can you go back to feeding yourself in the way of, you know, honoring hunger, you know, trying to be in a more peaceful place with your food and what's on your plate. And then after all this stuff at the end, they talk about, okay, so what, what's nutrition, right? Which is typically where we start. Which uh. I like, okay, well, yeah, we talk about whole foods and 
whole grains and some carbohydrates and proteins and some healthy fats and all this. But it's like, but it has to be at the end because if you start at the beginning, you know, it's going to cause that diet mindset. It's going to say, well, now I have to be perfect and perfectly intuitive and perfectly balanced. And there's just no such thing. Oh my goodness. I love that. That is, um, I don't know actually if I have heard that or, you know, maybe I've known that, but that's so interesting to start with, you know, just not start with the food and what is nutrition. Cause I feel like I'm always starting there when I'm talking to clients, but I'm like, huh, that makes perfect sense though, because that is the issue. Then people feel like they're not perfect and feeling like they fail. And then it's like another diet. They just let it go. Hmm. Yeah. And we ignore the other parts too, right? We ignore the fact that you know, if you tell me I should remove X, Y, and Z, what, I'm, what am I going to want to do is I'm going to want to run and buy all that X, Y, and Z, right? Yes. So it's like just owning up that we're not robots who just feed themselves like a, you know, gasoline station, like we're human beings and we have a lot of different um, aspects that make it complex. You know, you have to kind of go a bit deeper before you can just say, okay, here's what a vitamin looks like, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the same, like with my toddler, like if I t- tell him, don't do that. What does he want to do? He wants to do it. And it's the same as, I mean, same as us, like, don't eat that. What do you want to do? We want to eat that. Even if you didn't want to eat it, but now that I said, don't, then it's like, it's just human curiosity. It's like, well, now I need to, because we have that rebellious part of ourselves where we're like, well, maybe. And then ugh, it's just this cycle. So yeah, I, I love that. Like just putting that last and, you know, really coming back into the body. Um, you know, one thing that you were talking about, you know, just before we talked about the intuitive eating is like the scale and, you know, weighing ourselves and not being obsessed with the number on the scale. Do you have any tips for people who might be stuck in that rut of just being like, but I'm not at my goal weight and just can't seem to shift out of that mindset? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Super good question. So if you ask me, you know, what is your weight today? You could ask me and I could answer and that could be our conversation. But what if you put that to the side and said, okay, what did you eat today? How did you feel about what you ate today? How, how did your body feel today? How was your energy? Did you get to move around? Did you get to practice any stress management? How was your sleep? You know, how are your relationships, right? So you're having an actual conversation about what was my day look like? What is my behavior? What are my habits? Rather than somehow skipping over to this number that could or could not be meaningful, that glosses over everything that is health and life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think for me, it's, at this point, it's a no-brainer. Um, I do to still get on scales. You know, if I go to the doctor, or you know, I'll get on a scale once in a while. There are people who can be really triggered by that. That's another conversation. But I don't have a scale at home, and. At this point, I really prefer not to. And I feel like a lot of people, once they take that step, um, once I've heard about their journey, they're like, okay, yeah, well, there's still other ways. I mean, obviously, they're still going to be feeling what their clothes feel like and looking mm-hmm. in the mirror. I mean, there's so many ways to still be really checking yourself. But the skill is a really nice place to start, I think, because it's so integrated into that whole diet work. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that's something that I kind of stopped doing the last you know, a few years is, you know, asking clients, I'm like, do you even want to do measurements? Cause it used to be, that was just standard, you know, in the training industry, it was every month we always did measurements and, um, you know, that, that was, that was the thing. But lately, I mean, really in the last few years, like I have very few clients who I even do measurements with anymore because most of them are like, don't care. Like I'm consistently working out. I feel good. Like, and you know, most of the food, like, we only have actually one client who really tells me everything she eats. Otherwise, most of my clients 
don't even tell me that. Like it's cause it's kind of that intuition. I mean, like for the client who I'm, we're working on this and I've told her this, but like, she'll ask me and it's like, she's looking for my approval of like, yes, that was a good meal when she knows it was like when she tells me she, and like, you know, that was good, but there is no like good and bad. And having that discussion with people of like trying to relabel our foods. Cause she'll tell me, Oh, it was a bad, I had some bad meals. I'm like, but there, there isn't, you know? And so she is really hardwired into that good, bad mindset. You know, what, how, how can you help kind of make those shifts in people who again, and it's not, I mean, it's, we've grown up like that. And so it's just kind of habit. And you know, if it pops out of her mouth and she'll look at me like, ah, you know, how can I reframe that? Like, how can we kind of start to shift from the good to the bad? Like, do we have to correct our friends or like, how can we start to make it more, you know, just known? That's cool that she's open to that, you know, because language is super powerful, right? I've seen someone, I think it was a blog somewhere. They talked about, they talk about fun versus functional foods, right? Something, right? Yeah. Certain parts of yourself, right? And so that already takes it out of the black and white because I can so relate to that. Like we love to have everything in black and white, especially food. Um, And it's also a bit of that perfectionism, right? Like just tell me what's right and wrong. Yes. And so, you know, just being able to contemplate, you know, the words that you use, you don't have to always necessarily, um, you know, maybe feel that everyone around you needs to be on the same page because that's another journey. But if you're able to recognize like, oh, you know, that's kind of a black and white way to frame things or, um, you know, even this is um, Linda Bacon who, who was, wrote a few books and started this movement called Health at Every Sight. You know, she talks about how in the U.S. we're so good at this, you know, sort of moralizing everything right people they did a study and they said you know what do you think of when you hear chocolate cake and in uh, france and other european countries they said oh you know i think of joy and pleasure and celebration and the Americans said i think about guilt and shame uh. right and so we have been taught like oh you know treat yourself but also like feel bad after and it's like what's the point like what is how does how does that work for you right in the long run i mean there's no point and feeling that way and beating yourself up every day. Um, so I just think it's like, you know, a few of those different things, right? Thinking about joy, thinking about the big picture. You know, do you really want to come to the end of your life and think about how every day was focused on losing 10 pounds or gaining it or losing it? I mean, so they're important questions to ask at the end of the day. Yes. I mean, that's what I heard too. I don't know where it was, if it was like a something on Instagram or a little meme they had said that. They're like, what would it be like to not, um, you know, feel like you constantly need to lose weight? You know, like how much time would you have in your day? Like, and that's so crazy for me to think. And I'm like, I mean, I'm not at that point right now in my life, but I'm like, when I was in high school, I was always like, Oh, I need to have more toned arms and my abs aren't in shape. And then looking back, I'm like, what in the world? It's like, I had a six pack, like, and my arms were toned. And I was like, I don't understand. Like when we're in it, sometimes we can't see, you know, that we're going to look back and be like, wow, we didn't appreciate our body. I wasted so much time beating myself up about nothing. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know how, how that's been for you. I'd be curious, you know, as an adult learning about these movements that are body positive and, you know, yeah. and, you know, I always thought it was one or the other, like you're either kind of body positive and everything else is a kind of secondary or you're health focused and you're right BMI and everything is in check. And 
actually the, the data suggests it's not that way, right? Because it's more complicated, because the correlation isn't always what we think it is, because we're very visual and we just tend to draw conclusions on weight. Um, so this weight-centric culture has actually brought us more harm than good. And I think it's really important to sort of bring that up. You know, there are things like weight stigma that isn't talked about very often. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's reminds me of thinking of that younger self that you described and saying, you know, it's not your fault, right? You've been taught that. Yeah. Um, it's not your fault that you're now in this mindset. But there are a lot of things, thankfully, that you can do to talk about it and start to think in new ways. Yeah. And that, that was actually one of my notes to ask about next was the body positivity movement and kind of like your thoughts on that. And maybe even just describing it in your words, because I don't think I've had or talked about it too much on the podcast. Um, you know, just kind of what it is. So in case people are like, I've heard about it, but maybe have misconceptions about what it is. Yeah. So I can tell you from, from my point of view, I think that body positivity has a few different faces these days. If you look at, you know, the brand that's selling it or, you know, even um, what are, like influencers on social media, right? There is this idea of like, love yourself and, you know, the Dove commercial, everyone's beautiful, which is great. Okay, mm-hmm. there's, there's a purpose for that. What I really like is thinking of like, well, what if uh, body positive means it doesn't really matter if I'm beautiful because it's irrelevant, right? Instead of thinking about what my body looks like every day, I can actually focus on what my day is meant to focus on, right? Whether that's my career, or my partner, or my friendships, you know, what am I bringing to the world? Um, so that's really how I like to look at it. And there are a few books that I've read and, and other conversations have been a part of where I've learned like, you know, why are we focusing on weight and body image in the first place, right? Why has that become so big? Um, so to me, that's, that's more body positive than sort of the, Sex in the City, Samantha Jones, like rip all your clothes off and look good in a bikini. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love that. And that's, um, so again, I, so yesterday I had a podcast uh, interview with a gal who it will air actually after this one. So in November, and I did not articulate myself well, or I, I don't know, I thought about it because it kind of stuck with me and I was telling her and, you know, she's, you know, about 10 years younger than me. And um, we were talking about like, I was, I posted a picture on Instagram in my swimsuit with my son at the pool. And I was like, man, I feel like this is something where I have to say something about my body, but I'm don't want to, because that's not like what it is. But like, you see so many times people post pictures and it's either like, I love my body, um, or just like, look at, I am accepting my body where it is instead of being like, I'm just in a swimsuit. We don't need to comment on my body. Like I'm actually having fun at the pool with my son and my niece and that's all what it is. And, um, you know, and she had made a comment, um, I think about just posting or posting pictures in sports bras. So I was like, I don't have an issue with that, but cause you're not posting and saying like, you know, oh, it's not always about your body. Cause I think so many times when we see these or when I do, it's always people either defending their body or saying how much they love their body. But I was like, we don't have to always be in just a sports bra and like, it doesn't have to be our, our body all the time. And I think that is where I get like a, you know, do you know what I'm saying? So you want to normalize the idea of like, here's a mother who also has a body or here's a yes. yoga teacher. Who, like, it's kind of like, it's not the first thing you have to yes. talk about or. Yeah. And so to me, like, that's kind of where I'm at, like with, you know, and I'm all for body positivity and, but I feel like we should just be like, okay, but we all have bodies and like, we're just, just accepting and we don't have to comment 
um, you know, about little things about ourselves or, you know, to, you know, I don't know, to feel like more normal or, you know, like it's just, it's very interesting. So to me, I just kind of go down that rabbit hole and, you know, that's like the same with before and after photos. Like I've just never, you know, cause people are like, you should do those. I was like for like clients. And I was like, no, like that's not the trainer I am. Like there's, it's just not something that resonates with me. And so I'm always just curious what, you know, just, I don't know, you know, that's just something that's been on my mind, I guess the last 24 hours. You know, it's, it's interesting because I think that reminds me of women, right? And people that are raised as, you know, feminine, you're taught at different stages of your life that these images, right, they do have value, right? I remember I was, I was grew up in the Netherlands and you go into puberty and just like everywhere else in the world, you know, your body's changing and there was this concept people talked about, about egg diet, which is like you're thighing out, your, your thighs are expanding, right? And so it was this, this, this sort of um, warning, you know, don't eat the chocolate bar because watch the thighs. And, and then, you know, you come to uh, pregnancy, right? Something I haven't been through yet, or, or menopause, you know, which I talk to women at that stage, and they say, you know, now there's a belly, or now there are thighs. You're like, well, yes, and there's also a reason why nature has this yes. evolution, right? And it's not something um, that, you know, you have to reduce your body to somehow now you don't like it doesn't look the same anymore. And then if you go beyond that and you think about what we are told, you know, that this body needs or somehow should look like, quote unquote, it's like this white, you know, certain female gender looks a certain way, able-bodied, right? And, and there are these concepts that don't work. I mean, they're just not a reality. Um, so I think, I mean, it's important that we, that we are starting to think about, right? What does body positivity mean? What does it mean to be in a bigger body? What does it mean to be in a body of color? You know, all yeah. these things that are somehow out of the norm, right? Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, the young women today, they are, they are growing up with, you know, probably more awareness, you know, than I definitely had at that age, which so that's a positive, <laughs> we need a positive somewhere. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, I would say kind of, it's like a, you know, I guess probably social media helps and sometimes doesn't help, you know, the young girls and just the stuff that they see, cause it depends on who they follow. And, you know, like, uh, we were, I was at the cabin with my um, in-laws over the weekend and my niece is, what would she be? Second grade. She must be going into second grade, first or second grade. And she, you know, had said, Oh, I'm fat. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like she's so young. And I'm like, I don't remember ever thinking those things, you know, maybe until high school, but I'm like, oh, it starts so young and it's so like such a delicate, you know, situation. I'm like, how you handle this? Like, this is what, I, this is going in my head. I'm like, how you handle this right now is potentially it's going to be beneficial to her or this could like really harm her, you know? And it's like, that's what's in my head. Cause that's all I'm thinking is like, these are the little stories that pull out of our head when we get older. And so, um, you know, I didn't handle it cause her mom was there. And, um, but I'm like, gosh, this is crazy. Cause I have, I have a son. So I'm like, if we want more kids and if I have a daughter, like these are things that like you have to kind of think about way earlier than maybe I was, you know, previously thinking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting when you see the, the younger ones and the, and the older ones and, you know, men too, sometimes, you know, they'll talk to me about the man boobs and I'm thinking, you know, n none of us are escaping it by, you know, at some point. Yes. Uh, so pervasive. I mean, I, 
I've started to take less exercise classes because I've found, you know, I like all kinds of exercise, but you go to the gym and I did some classes earlier in the summer and they said, you know, it's still summer, do another squat. And you're like, uh, what are those things? Why? What's the point? This is not necessary, you know, at best. That is, oh my gosh, I didn't even think it, that is so true though. Thinking about, I don't go to a ton of exercise classes because I am 5'10 and I find that I am way slow when the instructor does something because I'm tall. And um, I went to a yoga class like that and I can totally relate to the language because I, I was like, I can't go back to this because I'm like, this isn't yoga. Like she's telling me to do more chaturangas so I can, you know, make my arms nice and toned. I'm like, that is not why I'm at yoga right now. Like that yeah. is not at all. And I think sometimes it, it does start like from the fitness industry and from, you know, instructors, you know, from trainers, from us talking about it and just like, that's not why you do extra squats. Like you do them because you feel good and you want, you know, to be able to hike up a mountain or whatever your goals are. Like you're not doing them to fit into like your summer shorts, you know, like, oh gosh, <sighs> the language that we use, the language, it drives me nuts. Like it's just, oh. Yeah. And it's so important like that. And I've heard it, you know, from trainers that at the gym that I train out of too, like some of the stuff I'm like, Oh, cringeworthy, what you just said. Like, that's mm -hmm. just, no, no, we have to take back the language and just really be conscious about what you're, what you're saying. Cause these, these people are looking up to you and potentially what you just said could be stuck in their head all day. And it's something that they could stew over. And I mean, those are stuff that I always think about. I'm like all those little stories that we play in our head, especially with younger, um, it tends to be younger women because you just haven't had the experience yet. And it's just, oh, I'm like, like who knows? Like starting those stories and, and really it takes away so much. Right? It takes away this joy of being in a body and inhabiting space in the world and living your life and, you know, really just makes you makes your life a bit smaller you know it really does oh yes totally um yeah i love that taking up space um i want to kind of well i guess almost jeez it's like whoa it's already been over a half hour um <laughs> well i want to do some a few like uh, questions about mindfulness then and mm -hmm. how people can be more mindful in their daily lives so if they're kind of you know going to and fro and just they feel like they don't have time. How can you bring that mindfulness into your daily life? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so mindfulness, I used to think it's, it's just on the yoga mat or just on the meditation pillow or even an app. But I found that, you know, if you're out somewhere, especially at a meal or, you know, maybe it's at a party and you're worrying about, you know, something that makes you insecure or, you know, not feeling your best, you could just feel your body. So feel your feet on the ground, your butt on the chair feel a breath, right? Just getting into your body and out of your head can be super helpful. Maybe even do it in the car at the stoplight. Um, I think in terms of food, you know, there's an awareness around um, smelling it and looking at it and tasting it, which is all this like mindful eating, learning and teachings, which that can be super helpful. Um, doing things without distraction can be nice, you know, whether it's food or whether it's just walking without your iPhone, you know, um, those are just like small, simple ways that I found really helpful. Yes. I mean, a lot of it, like without your iPhone, <laughs> like <laughs> I feel like I was just out for a walk earlier today and I was kind of paying attention, like how many people were on their phones or, you know, on a phone call or just staring at their phones and just not even paying attention. And I was walking around this beautiful lake and I'm like, wow, this is so 
so interesting because, you know, before the phone was around, people would say hi. Like only one person said hi to me when I was on this walk. It was like a three mile lake. And I'm like, man, that's crazy. Like before it would be like, hi, hi, you know? So all of those little interactions and just how to be, you know, more present in your life and just kind of noticing other people. And I think that's just something that we can take back and definitely incorporate on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Have less screen time. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, it's amazing. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, because I will, actually when this airs, I'll probably, so um, all of October I'm doing, uh, we do Ayurvedic detox and it's usually a week, but I'm doing kind of a four week program and um, we cleanse twice a year and it's a nourishing cleanse. And so during the cleanse, I also like to incorporate technology because I think that's a major thing that we need to cleanse from, from our lives. And so usually I, you know, will cut it out for like a week of, I think I just was on social media. I set hours that I was on this time. I'm like, I think I'm just going to go on like once a week to social media and that's it for the month of October. And you know, like that, that's all I'm going to do and just give myself space and just to see what life is like without feeling like, you know, I need to be on my phone, you know, posting or being, you know, interacting in Facebook groups, like just to be present in my life again. Mm, That's cool. Oh gosh. Do you have, um, technology? I would, I don't want to say rules, but kind of like rules or like ways that you kind of detox from technology and social media. I have a friend of mine who started talking about this and I think I heard it at a retreat up here in Marin too, where they talk about this idea of mindfulness and how it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Like there's a mindful way to engage online, which I thought that was kind of cool. Or you're like, okay, so I just scrolled aimlessly in Facebook. How how did I feel? Did that make me feel different than before? Did it feel, you know, neutral, positive, negative? How's my mood? You know, where you're really like, oh, okay. Do I, do I like how I feel right now? And, you know, you can actually be mindful and still use this stuff or, you know, put boundaries around the quantity. You know, I'm definitely still working on that because it does, you know, it integrates your professional life, your personal life. But at the end of the day, I mean, you have to be in charge, right? You have to feel like you're, you're leading it rather than vice versa. Yes. Yeah. I think that's the key. That's why I always, I have to delete the app. Cause I just know myself like those first few days, like I'm like going on my phone to like click on Instagram, like any free moment. And we do that so often. And again, it's mindlessly, like I'm not mindful at all when I'm doing it, but it's just like to kill a few seconds. And it didn't really like, what did I accomplish? Nothing. And so those are the ones where I'm like, I just need to delete off. So it's not even on my brain to, you know, grab my phone and do that. And, um, that's, that's the only way right now I can be mindful with it. And then for the first few days after I delete it and I get it back, I'm usually pretty good. Uh-huh. But then just like an old habit, like it just is like comes flooding back and there it is again, you're back at it, you know, two weeks later, just your normal. It feels like too much again. Yes. Yes. And that's where I'm like, golly. And I, I've been through these cycles, I think it all summer long and now we're into the fall. So I'm like, man, I, I need some more detox with it. So that's kind of my practice of you know, trying to find the happy medium and then asking myself, do I really need it for business? You know, and just kind of like how, like I actually, most of the people that find me do not follow me on social media or have not like been to my profile even. So that's where I'm like, okay, how much do I even, you know, like business wise, is it really like, or is that just an excuse I'm telling myself? So those are the things that I like to contemplate. And maybe by the end of October, I'll have the answer. (laughs) So maybe as this airs, I'll know the answer to this question, but that is something that I am striving to find out. 
Yeah, I remember one time someone, this is so rare, just funny, um, who didn't have, doesn't do Facebook, doesn't have I said, oh, why not? And they said to me, when, when am I supposed to daydream? Oh my gosh, I love it. I know. <gasps> oh, that's so true though. But I mean, I used to daydream all the time and I do not as much anymore. Like I had pretend friends left and right growing up. <laughs> oh, not that I need pretend friends now, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh gosh. Well, but um, I have one final question for you that I like to ask everyone. And I always like to give out a weekly challenge to the listeners. And when I have guests on, I have you guys kind of ask everyone to do a little challenge for the, the week. So what would you like that challenge to be? <clears throat> so I've been thinking about diet culture. It's, it's come up a few times today. I think it would be helpful to just, whether you're journaling or just noticing, you know, take a weekend or a week or even a day where you're like, okay, let's see if I can find all these little sneaky ways that diet culture and diet mentality come up, right? Whether it's what you hear at a party, you know, whether it's uh, your thought when you're in the grocery store around what's good or bad and just noticing like, oh, hey, that's my diet mindset, right? And, um, and I think that can really help because at the end of the day, you know, we're learning to really free ourselves and feel more um, empowered around food and being able to make choices without all the baggage. Yes, I love that. That's great. Um, I'm going to do that too. I don't think I've ever done that. That sounds like a great challenge. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Well, it's been such a great time having you on the show today. Um, thanks again. And I have gotten so many good tidbits from our conversation. So thanks, Babette. Thank you so much. Thanks for your good questions and for your time and really appreciate it. Thank you all and everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power. Thank you so much for listening to the Peaceful Power podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclawson.com where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the peaceful power message. Thanks again, and go out there and spread your peaceful power.